0: The Lord be with you, and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, and an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Gird your loins and light your lamps, and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Well, I apologize for being later than usual. It's been a crazy morning in Portola. It's been crazy. First of all, uh, there was an air raid malfunction, so the whole town was woken up. It was going off like 20 minutes or 5 in the morning. The whole town was just standing up there. like, "What's, what's We're being bombed by the Germans. The Germans are bombing us again. So it, was, yeah, it went off. And then I was, I was going to come here pretty early on time. But then after Mass, somebody collapsed in the choir loft. And we had to call an ambulance, get them all situated. So, we're, so that happened after Mass. She's okay, praise the Lord. It's a diabetic thing. She collapsed. They called an ambulance. And on top of that, a woman comes up to me after Mass, His father, I'm being attacked by the devil and possessed and starts going off and had to do a minor exorcism on her after Mass while the while the ambulance people are in the church running around. I was like, trying to pray. It was, it was crazy, crazy morning. But praise the Lord. Huh? You just roll with the punches, whatever life gives us, you just roll with it. Huh? But it's been crazy. Praise God, we are here. Uh, just a few things, a few of announcements. Uh, this Thursday is the... Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Mother into Heaven. And for in the United States, it's a Holy Day of Obligation for us. So this Thursday, there'll be Mass, of course, at Portola at 8.30, and then an evening Mass back here at 5.30. Uh, so uh, it's a Holy Day of Obligation. There are certain liturgical days in the, in the year where the Church places uh, the weight of a Sunday obligation upon her sons and daughters. So this Thursday is a Holy Day of Obligation. So again, it carries the weight of a Sunday, so if you're, if you're deathly ill or you just your schedule is simply kind of allowed to go to Mass, first the sons and daughters of the church must be at Mass huh? Thursday. So it carries the weight of it. And so it's a beautiful day when we praise the Lord. So that remember that Thursday, 5.30 here. And then, of course, back at Petorla in the morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the other amazing duties that priests perform is that when we get a call, no matter what time of day, no matter what it is, if there's an emergency, somebody's dying on their deathbed, we go. We go. We drop everything. We get a call, Father, so and so at the hospital. We don't know how long this person has. We're trained in the seminary, and when that happens, boom, you get up, you go, no matter what you're doing. You leave it all and you rush to the hospital immediately. And it's a beautiful thing to be those last precious moments of someone's moments of, of, on earth. And we give them those beautiful prayers, the last rites as we traditionally call them. You know, it's amazing. I praise the Lord. I've been a priest now for almost nine years. And just through, through my experience, when I walk into that door, into that hospital room or into that home, Immediately I can tell if that person or the family, if they're disciples of Jesus Christ. I can tell. Immediately. It is palpable. I can tell, again, not just being baptized Catholic, but I'm telling, like somebody who walks the walk, who lives the faith. I walk into that room, boom, I can tell immediately who's who. No matter what the situation is, no matter how horrific or how natural, whatever, whatever brought them to that event. If that person is a practicing, living Christian who loves Jesus Christ, deep faith in Him, there's a peace in that room. There's a peace there. I can immediately tell, walk in, boom, I can, I, I, yeah. Not even them saying a word to me. It's like, yeah, that person's a, a believer. Because this idea of death, right, which we all come to face sooner or later, it's the greatest foe for us. It's one of the greatest problems we face. And we see this powerfully, that when a Christian rests in the Lord, that no matter what happens, there's a deeper reality happening. You know, one of the first persecutions against the church, in the early church, of course, as I've preached about in the past, was by the Roman Empire. Remember, Rome at the time period when the church was just getting off the ground, we were a tiny little flock persecuted by the most powerful empire on earth. And in the year 203, the the Roman Emperor at that time period was a man by the name of Severus. Emperor Severus. And at this time period, the Roman emperors fancied themselves gods. And so if you were going to be a good Roman citizen, you had to do your civil duty and offer incense to the Roman emperor. And guess what our ancestors said when they demanded that of us? No. <laughs> we'll be good Roman citizens, we'll do our duty, we'll pay whatever we ought to pay, but I will not offer incense to the pagan gods. And oh, how that infuriated the Romans. You irritating Christians. Why won't you just get in line and behave like everybody else? And we said no. In one beautiful account, we have this transcript still. In the year 203, a group of Christians were rounded up and brought before the Roman governor. It was the city of Carthage, which is today modern-day Tunis in Tunisia. Carthage was a mighty, mighty city at that time. They rounded us up and they said, offer incense to the Roman Emperor. No. Throw us back in jail. A couple days later, bring us back in. Offer incense now, you have another opportunity. Deny Jesus Christ and offer your incense. So we sentence you now to death. And they bring them to the Roman stadium there. So think of the Roman Colosseum, but on a smaller scale. They brought them to the center of this arena. The crowd, the bleachers, were packed with people, screaming people. Because at that time period, this was their sport. This was their football. This was their basketball. This is how the Romans entertained themselves. They would watch slaves and criminals be brought to the center and killed for sport. That was their entertainment. And they bring them down to the center of this arena. The ground floor was covered in sand. Which, by the way, this is where we get our word arena. You know, we call arenas, sporting facilities, arenas. This is where it comes from. Because the word arena in Latin means sand. Now ask yourself, why are they putting sand on the bottom of their arenas in the, at that time period? Because when blood would be spilt, all you got to do is what? Just pour more sand on top of it. It's easy, practical. So whenever you hear that word arena, that's when it comes from, Roman period of when they would kill for sport. And it said the Christians, as they, as they gathered there together in that Roman stadium, they unleashed lions upon them. And right before they, they unleashed the lions, it said that the Christians gathered together in the center of, of, of the sand, and they started to sing church hymns, which they learned at Mass singing songs, The crowd looked at the Christians and said, Why are you afraid? They were stunned in silence. So again, picture in your mind's eye a, a stadium packed, screaming for your death. Lions are literally on chains, about to be unleashed. Hungry lions. And then the Christians are hugging each other, praising God. They unleash those lions upon them, finished them off with the gladiators that they send them in to, to, to make sure that nobody was alive. And the people in that crowd walked away from that arena, stunned. What is it about you that makes you different? Listen now the words of Jesus. Do not be afraid any longer, little flock. Don't you love that? I love that image. Jesus says to them, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock. Again, I love this image because it is always the faithful that are always a always remnant. The ones who are faithful following the Lord fully and not behaving like everybody else. It's always a small flock, isn't it? Again, our Lord Himself says, and elsewhere in Scripture, He says, the, word, the, the road to eternal life is narrow. Few find it. And the road to destruction is wide, and many fall into it. Meaning, those who will always stay faithful to Jesus will always be little. And He says to Jesus, do not be afraid any longer, little flock. For your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, here it is. You see, as Christians, our hope is not here. Our hope is not here. And our Lord says, and now the strange line next, he says, he says don't be afraid any longer, for your father is given you the kingdom. Now the next line, the next commandment is utterly bizarre. Now sell your belongings and give alms. Again, why why this command? He says, sell what you have. Because what our Lord here now is teaching his Christians, if if, if we want to follow Jesus Christ, a critical part of the dynamic disciple is one of complete charity. And that is why, again, hear hear this stat. The Catholic Church in the world is the largest charitable organization on earth. We give more to charity, hospitals, schools, than any other institution has ever existed on earth. It is in our DNA to give. Because as we understand, as the Lord says, you must sell alms. You must give alms. Sell what you have. Why? Because as we all know, within every single human heart there is a temptation to hoard to use material possessions as the measurement of our value, as a, me- as a measure of our status, isn't it? I mean, come on, fellow sinners, we all feel this. We all want to get more and accumulate. That's why when you give to charity, whatever the cause, doesn't it sting sometimes? are like, ah, I don't want to give this because I can, I can buy this, I can pay that, I can... Again, what is in that? It's because we attach ourselves to these things. And our Lord knows that about us. That's why he says, sell your belongings and give the charity because that severs this disordered this attachment that we tend to place on things. Again, remember the words from last Sunday. Paul writing to the Colossians, he's saying, you have been raised in Christ, therefore seek what is what? Above, rather than what's here below. Or oh, remember the, the, the words of our Lord from last Sunday again. He says, Be careful to guard against all, what? Greed. And we remember that word plenonexia in the original Greek means this this hoarding attachment that we just want to get more. Again, fellow sinners, we all feel this. And the Lord said, keep saying to them, no. No. He says, seek that those riches where no thief can steal, no moth destroy. Place your heart, rather, in a beautiful line on what is above. There's a great Protestant theologian of the last century named Paul Tillich. He powerfully said that you can tell a lot by an individual by asking one question. What do you worship? (coughs) What do you worship? Because we all worship something. All of us do. Even the non-religious worship something. And whatever that is, you can tell a lot by a person by answering that one question, worship. It's related to our English word, worthy. What is of highest worth in your life? See, that's the question. (coughs) What is the highest worth? What do you place of high worth? Because wherever, whatever, however you answer that question, what is your highest worth? There now our hearts are attached. And Jesus constantly, constantly, again with the readings the past couple Sundays, He says, don't place your highest worth on anything here on earth. But rather place it on me. <laughs> Now do you see why the early Christians of the church, when they were persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ, why they had the audacity to smile and to sing and to cheer? Because they understood that my true value is not here. You see, my friends, we, every single one of us, we are Christians. We are baptized in the very body of Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. That is our deepest roots and our deepest identity. Nothing on this world defines us. And this constant temptation to to put our value on more wealth, more power, more pleasure, on anything else that, my friends, we are built for more. We are mighty Christians. And we are called to behave and to act differently than everybody else. Because if anything, if our hearts are attached to anything here below, then what happens? Then fear comes. Anxiety comes. Because the sad truth is that everything that we hold here on earth will eventually, what? Goes away. But for the Christian, and this is a freeing part of of the good news, that no matter what happens, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what sicknesses come, no matter what tragedies afflict us, we say, ah, so be it. Because our home is not here. Our home is not here. Again, hear that message because everything the culture says focus on here but Jesus says no you are the inheritors of a heavenly kingdom more illumined more spectacular more beautiful than anything that the world can give us you see that is why the martyrs of the church remind us this is not what I'm created for. And that's the audacity we get to live as Christians. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.